Are you ready for some football? We certainly are at the562.org. That's why right now at the website, you're going to see every single preview for every single football team that resides here in the LBC. I am JJ, he's Mike, he's Tyler. We are talking football all week because it gets opening week for Long Beach football. The high school teams, the Moore League, St. Anthony, Compton, obviously LBCC in the mix as well. We've got articles, videos, probable starting lineups, schedules, quotes with players, quotes with coaches. We've got a little bit of everything at the site right now to lace your cleats up and get you ready for this football season. So on this episode of What Up Long Beach, we're just going to be talking a little bit about what was surprised us, what we think might surprise you, some hot takes, some things you might not see coming that we spent the last month at football practice, basically. So we see some things coming that, that, that might surprise you. Mike, first and foremost, I am super excited to see the maturation of these quarterbacks in Long Beach. We got some kids who can spin the skin, my friend. This is definitely, you know, we said last year that the 2024 class might be the best class we've seen in a decade plus, which I, I stand by. And I think actually that's a, a that's even more solidified now than it was before. And uh, kind of headlining that class are a pair of really top level quarterbacks at uh, Polly and Milliken and Darius Curry and Miles Jackson. But yeah, like looking around you'd have to say this is our best group of quarterbacks in Long Beach. And I, I was like trying to think back. I mean, no doubt, no doubt. Cause you know, Miles Jackson and Milliken, like pack, you know, power five kid, tons of offers, Darius Curry, Apolli, power five kid, tons of offers. Um, but I think as you go down the, the list, those aren't the, those aren't the only two kids. Lakewood loves their guy in uh, Braden Downen. who has got a rocket arm for sure. Um, Compton has a four-year starter, <laughs> right. you know, a quarterback. He's obviously not going to throw for 3,000 yards this year or something, but, like, there, there is, like, even at Compton, there's something exciting at quarterback, which right. is saying yeah. something for a team that's run the double wing for 200 years. <laughs> right. I think anytime you bring Compton into the conversation, you have to just sort of put it in context where you're like, well, okay, yes, the league has great quarterbacks, but quarterbacks for their team. So Ava Lilo Maiava is not a guy that's going to be, like, like you said, Mike throwing for 3,000 yards, but he may have 100 tackles. <laughs> Great middle linebacker who's going to stick his nose in and be a runner and decision maker. So that's exactly what they need is a guy like yeah. that. So it works. And then, and then at Jordan, you got another kid with scholarship offers. And are we going with JJ Nielsen officially? I am. What are you kidding me? Do you think I'm going to miss <laughs> an opportunity to call a kid JJ all year? Jiminy Christmas. People are going to get very confused on the highlights. They're going to be like, why are they talking to the player? I'm fine with it. <laughs> I did notice that uh, there's also a lot of JJs this year. I feel like there's a JJ on almost every team, which I, I know that's got to have you very excited. It's uh, a J, it, it's a jj is what we're calling it. <laughs> get on board or get out of here. <laughs> wow. um, I, I, I have to say I'm really excited about this season. We do have some plans to do things differently this year. Um, you know, if you've been following our coverage for a long time, I think you're going to see a little bit more live video during games uh, is one of the plans we've got. I'm also doing a new feature this week. I started doing it this week. It'll be out every Monday. And boy, it got great traffic um, this week, but we're going to be breaking down the Cal Preps rankings uh, every week. They do change every week. For those who followed along last year uh, or for the masses who were, you know, messaging us about Polly and Division 4, what? Um, the Cal Preps rankings are what make the, 
That's the voice that I do. Who's the guy whose voice that is? Who's that guy? That's the voice I do. That's the voice I do in my head. It's our friend. It's me and uh, JJ's friend from college, Dan's voice for. uh, That's fair. People people asking questions like that. Big shouts to Dan Friend. Big shouts to Dan Friend. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like if you want to actually know where the teams stand, the Cal Preps rankings, if you know how to read them, will give you a ballpark idea of what division they're in. That's why we had been saying for three or four weeks before the playoffs started, it looks like Polly's going to be in division three or four right now. Polly solidly right in the middle of division two from where those preseason rankings start Milliken to give you a preview of uh, how much they, they put on returning talent, which Milliken has quite a bit of would actually, if the playoffs started today, be exactly where Polly was at the end of the regular season last year, they'd be number one in division four. So a lot, there'll be a lot of though, movement. Mike. Give them the caveat, though, Mike, if they take 16 teams, if they take four teams, if they take six teams in that top division, that will change where everyone else is in their division. Mike did an incredible job of keeping an eye on those rankings and letting us know where the guys might land in their division. But throughout the whole thing, it's just like, well, if they take more teams in Division One, the whole landscape changes. So you really can't know what division your favorite team is going to be in until they literally put out that division one bracket. Yeah, it's definitely projections. It's just something fun to talk about. And I know that we have a, like by far, it's the thing I get asked about the most at practices, right? Like I walk into any (laughs) football practice and the coaches are talking to me, asking me about it. Um, I used to do the projected brackets before the playoffs came out and try and give people an idea of where I thought they'd be and was pretty successful with that. So um, these these columns weekly and we can talk about it on the pod a little bit as well they're going to be very conversational it's going to be very like hey if you have a question ask me on twitter ask me in person i will put it in the i will put it in the story but that's going to be just sort of a place to hey here's what happened this week and here's how it affects things here's why this loss that a team had might not be that bad for them this is why this win that a team had might not help their ranking as much as you had it's just going to be a place to explain this very very different system that we're in uh, as it moves into its second year well if you're showing up to every football practice and getting asked about rankings i am showing up to every football practice and getting asked if i also went to long beach poly that day it is a time-honored <laughs> tradition to go to everyone else's football practice and have them ask you about Polly. So, Mike, here I am. Go yeah. ahead and shoot the messenger if you want. What surprised you about how's, the Jackrabbits? Polly Luke? There it is. There it is. <laughs> what surprised you about the Jackrabbits that you uh, watched during the summer? I mean, obviously, we went out there to the uh, Edison Passing League, got a little bit of a look at what they're going to try to do on offense and defense. But what's going to surprise people, man? Give me a hot take about Polly football. Um. I just think they're going to be – here's my hot take. I think that they will compete for a Division II championship or be in Division I. And I think that last year, because they won that Division IV bracket, there were a lot of people, a lot of poly alums and fans – really discounting that accomplishment because they ran roughshod over that bracket. They run and clocked almost the whole bracket. And I think people felt like division four was maybe lower than it actually was. But my hot take after watching them in the scrimmage on Friday, go toe to toe with Corona Centennial scored the same number of touchdowns. They gave up with Corona Centennial, who is the clear cut consensus number three team in the state of California Um, I think the Jackrabbits are underrated at number 16 in the Southern section. I think that they will compete to be one of those eight teams in division one, if they do an eight team bracket as they did last year. And I think that they're good enough to win a division two bracket if that's where they end up. 
you're seeing them do that against Corona Centennial. That makes you feel that way. Yeah. Is, what record does Polly need to have in order to make that happen? Do they have to go undefeated? Because we all know once they get into that more league schedule, their strength of schedule drops and they will then drop in the rankings. So I think, and this is purely projection and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll see in that column. We'll break it down week by week. I think 10 and 0 they're in division one, no question. Yeah. I, because they'd have to beat Mission Viejo, who right now is the number four team in the state. Nine and one with a loss to Mission Viejo, but a win over Sarah. I think they're in division two, no question. Eight and two with losses to Mission and Corona Centennial. I think the way that the Moore League pulls the schedule down, where five of the seven teams have a negative power ranking on the Cal Preps rankings, I think if they go eight and two, it's very difficult for me how to, to see how they would be placed above division three. So they have to win all of their games in order to be in the top division. Yeah. And I think that that's fair too, because if they do lose to mission Viejo, you know, you know, like right now it's Corona Centennial three mission Viejo four. And I think everyone correctly feels there's a very big drop off between Bosco and modern day at one, two and Corona Centennial mission Viejo at three, four, right? It's those two teams in California and then it's everybody else. That's the way it's been the last couple of years. And I think it's actually even more pronounced this year than it has been over the last decade. So, and we saw that at the scrimmage, it was a three-way scrimmage with Polly, Corona, Centennial, and Modern Day. Polly and Corona, Centennial, right there with each other. A ton of D1 talent on both teams. Great quarterbacks, great offenses. Modern Day, steamrolled over both of them. (laughs) You're talking about by ranking, Modern Day number two, Corona, Centennial number three, and they look like they're in different weight classes, JJ. So Almost too literally uh, use of weight class there. But uh, I I will say, I think – Given the history of the program, uh, of, of specific uh, at Long Beach Poly, given the history of the program, there should never be a season in which Poly goes undefeated in the regular season and they're not in the top division. I think, I think if the Doesn't rankings matter how spit we them feel out, about it, no, 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 right. Yeah. But, but the point I'm making is if the rankings spit Poly out as a Division II team, even if they win every game on their schedule, I, I think we can all kind of agree that that it's flawed given the amount of. Uh, you know, division one talent they have on the roster. And if, like you said, Mike, if they beat Mission Viejo and, and, yeah. and go undefeated, I think in every year, I think most high school football fans would agree if Polly's undefeated, they should be in the top division. That's not the necessarily other, guaranteed to happen. Yeah. Right. The other, but, hot, the, the other hot take I'll throw at you, JJ, is I think they're going to have a fast start this year. Um, they've not had fast starts. They've struggled early in the non-league games. Uh, you know, last year, obviously they went one and three. I think based on what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I think you're actually going to see a poly team come out of the gate and look really polished and, and somewhat close to finish. I, I don't think they're quite where they want to be defensively, but that offense looks good. I don't think we're going to have that couple week kind of figuring things out period that we've been used to at the start of the season, uh, the last few years for them. And, um, and, and so that's what I would just say, you know, we, it's one thing to say they have 14 returning starters and 15 kids with scholarship offers, but it's another thing to see them in action. They've looked great in everything that I've seen. And the other thing I would point out is a lot of those returning starters were not juniors who are now seniors. A lot of them were sophomores who are now juniors. That's a very big development and growth year. And that team's been working hard in the offseason. I told, I told the two of you guys, but when I saw Dylan Williams, um, who's the highest ranked player on that roster, he's a junior linebacker who's committed to USC. He looks like a college player. He's one of the more physically imposing guys that I have ever seen at Bali on the defensive side of the ball. And that is really saying something. <laughs> but you're talking about a kid who's a legitimate six foot two, 
230 pounds that's playing outside linebacker in high school. You know, he would be playing defensive tackle at most of the other teams in the city. Um, so I'm very bullish on them. I think they're going to be really good, and, and I don't mind having uh, having that out there as my hot take. And people can roast me if they go up to Clovis and lay an egg, I guess. <laughs> well, obviously a huge question that a lot of people not even involved with Long Beach, Long Beach football or Long Beach probably wanted to know about uh, the quarterback situation for the Jackrabbits. So after the dust has settled, Mike, if somebody is just picking up our preview this week and says, oh, hey, I thought this was going to be a different quarterback – Tell us about the guy who will actually be throwing passes for the Poly Jack Roberts this season. Yeah, I, and I will have a big feature about uh, Darius Curry up uh, later this week or next week. Trying to, We've got a bit of a road trip to get to Clovis, so trying to figure out where to fit that in. But great kid, West Side Long Beach kid, um, ton of school pride. You know, he said, uh, I asked him, I said, you know, Nico and Madden Yamaleava transfer in, both highly ranked quarterbacks. Um a lot of kids transfer out, quite frankly, right? I mean, we've seen that with quarterbacks. Well, uh, anybody, is, any any transfer transferred out of somewhere, I guess. You want to look at that way. <laughs> well, but I think but I'm just saying, particularly with the quarterback position, it's like if a kid who's ranked higher than you transfers in, typically kids transfer out. I mean, that is what that's what it's been in Southern California for you know ten plus years at this point. And to it to the kids' credit, you know, Darius just said, "This is the school I love. This is the city I love. This is where I'm going to play high school football." And he didn't run from any of that competition from Shea Kuykendall last year. You know, he transferred in knowing as a sophomore, knowing that there was a senior starter who is returning. And he said, I'm going to come in and compete for as, as much time on the field as I can get. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not asking for any kind of a guarantee of a starting position or playing time. And he did the same thing, you know, when he had another pair of really highly ranked recruited guys come in. And, you know, what's been impressive to me, JJ, is, I think that says everything about who he is for sure. He's definitely an old school Long Beach kid. Um, and I think unsurprisingly to me, I've really seen the team rally around him at every practice I've been to. It's very clear how much he means to the rest of his team. Um, and so I think that that's also something that is just kind of an unexpected bonus, you know, from the way everything played out is that it's everyone's really ride or die with that kid. And Tyler and I saw that at their scrimmage with modern day, when a modern day linebacker cheap shot at Darius Curry, who obviously you're not supposed to touch quarterbacks in scrimmages. And, uh, and that poly roster was so fired up to get out there and go after the modern day kid. Steven Barbie is marching over to Bruce Rollinson saying that's BS, you know, <laughs> And you just saw that, like how much that kid means to that program, how much they're willing to kind of go to the mattresses for him. Um, and I, I thought that that was uh, I, I thought that was a really big signal. It's for sure going to be in my future, obviously. And as a, one final point, I would uh, I would just point out not that anyone was worried uh, whether there was too much accountability at modern day or not. But uh, they did get into fights with both teams that they played at the at the scrimmage. They did fight both Corona Centennial and Poly. They were trying to get into a skirmish. So <laughs> it's like hitting for the cycle. If you then also have somebody fight on your own sideline, <laughs> knocked it all knocked it all out. No pun intended. So we're gonna when we go through these teams, let's talk about their first game. So you guys are hitting the road to go to Clovis for this Poly opener, the Poly football season opening road trips, a time honored tradition. For us here at the 562.org through you're, you're, all of the right different publications we've worked at. So what are you guys looking at other than a really hot trip north? Yeah, I actually think the number one thing to talk about is just the temperature. There actually has been an extreme heat advisory issued 
um, for the uh, for the county that they're driving into right now. <laughs> but uh, but that's obviously for guys that are used to look like it's been hot in Long Beach, obviously, the last month or so. But poly practice is like a mile and a half from the beach or something like it's a different kind of hot, as we all know, in Clovis. Um, and that is going to be like, I think one of the hottest places in the United States of America is where they are driving tomorrow to go <laughs> play their football game. So Cal High Sports has proactively been saying Fresno and Clovis need to postpone their games until sundown, just as a basic safety measure. Um, the temperature is not even that difficult. The temperature has gone up, Tyler, right. since the last time you and I talked about it. They're now looking at 104 degrees at kickoff at 7 p.m. <laughs> so you just run that thing to at 8, right? You just started at 8 o'clock? Well, look, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what Clovis does. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Poly Athletic Director Rob Schock is requesting that. But um, ultimately, unless they're told to do so by officials, I think it is up to the home team. Um, and let's be completely honest. If you're Clovis, what are the advantages you feel you have over Poly? The heat is possibly at the top of the list. They've been practicing in this heat for their entire fall camp. They know Polly's coming up from ocean breezy Long Beach. Um, and so I would expect that I, I've been expecting them this entire time to try and tempo Polly, try and catch them off guard, try and test their conditioning. Let's be honest. The three of us have all been at plenty of Polly uh, football openers. Those kids sometimes cramp up in the first week. It's not always the best sometimes, in terms of hydration. <laughs> sometimes. Oh, it always happens, but only to some of the kids. But but serious, serious question, though, specifically it's about the, heat. It's, because it's the hot Cheeto uh, pregame meal. I think that's what I think that's what gets them every time. Yeah, that doesn't usually help, uh, especially if you wash it down with a Coke. Um, but I know there is always kind of gamesmanship because, Mike, you were mentioning that the heat is kind of their one of their competitive advantages that they may have over Polly, but you know, we've, we've seen gamesmanship where they, you know, you let the grass grow a little bit longer. If you're playing a fast team to try to slow them down, that's right. The that's ambulance fine. ambulance yeah. isn't coming for anyone walking in the tall grass too long is what you're saying. <laughs> that's, that's the point I'm making where it's like, okay, there's a certain point where you go beyond trying to win the game and you start getting into, are we endangering people for, for what, you know, the past couple of years, I thought we learned there are things bigger than sports. And so if there is a genuine health consideration and a concern that we could be endangering kids you have to do whatever you can yeah. to limit that risk and yeah. that means if you have to play it later you have to take water breaks during the game whatever it is like the kids safety has to come first yes. and regardless of if you think it gives you a competitive advantage you can't just play with people's lives so. step one don't die I feel like that's a real good rule. Just follow that one all the way through. Yeah, there, and, and just and just and else. just to be clear, just to be clear, obviously, like when when the Clovis schedules this game, they're certainly thinking like, hey, like we're more tested by the sun than these guys are coming up. I I don't like that's totally fair. I think that's that's in the realm of watering the grass to get a little bit longer. I yeah. don't know that they have refused to move a game later or anything like that. They obviously didn't know there was going to be an extreme heat advisory when they put the game on the schedule. Oh, and, um, shocked the city of Fresno is that it's 100 degrees in August. <laughs> no, but it's, Just it's, not usually, it's not usually 102 degrees at 7 p.m., even as hot as it is like that. You know what I mean? This is not an advisory that's been on for the whole month or whatever. So I, I hope that what Tyler just said is what happens. 
Um, you certainly hope that the officials particularly would be the ones who kind of step in and go, hey, you know what? We're going to just wait an hour because it's kind of intense right now. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, this is what happens with guys going out of area. Like those officials live in Fresno and Clovis, right? They're used to that heat. And so um, we will see how it plays out. But I do think this is kind of one of the roles of journalism. I'm happy that there will be uh, a news outlet from Long Beach up there in the 562, as long as people continue to support us, to make sure that that stuff is going the way it is. Uh, the way it should, and if it doesn't, to let everyone know, you know, what's going on. In- impressive amount of sequitur there, Mike. Speaking of supporting the 562.org, before we get to those other teams, Tyler, can you please let everybody know about the little development stuff we've got going that's going to make a big difference this year at the website? Yeah, you may have noticed uh, in our high school uh, football previews uh, and in our girls' volleyball previews, we've let you know that we've got more sponsors on board this year. Um, that's what we've been doing, the, uh, this past year and now into the upcoming school year is have sponsors, uh, for sports coverage, um, whether it's football, volleyball, uh, cross country, water polo, golf, tennis, all, all across the board, uh, and also s- school sponsorships as well. So we've, uh, we've been able to, you know, secure some more of those sponsorships going into the upcoming school year and are so appreciative for the support of former athletes, readers, um, community leaders, uh, all the people that have wanted to get involved with our nonprofit. Uh, that's the only way forward is, is community support for our nonprofit news outlet that we have. So thank you to everyone that's, that's reached out or has sponsored our coverage. Um, we're trying to add more Patreon subscribers. So if you're a reader that's, that doesn't necessarily have a business or um, want to necessarily support a particular uh, school or sport, you can say, hey, I'm glad that the 562 is around here's five bucks a month. Here's 10 bucks a month via Patreon. Um, you can go to the support tab on our website. It gives you all the different ways that you can support the 562 and any money that you donate to the 562, all of your subscriptions, all of that is tax deductible since we are a registered 501c3 nonprofit in the state of California. So thank you to everyone for your support. If you aren't supporting now, it's a new school year. We're going to have so much great football coverage in the months ahead we know that's our most most popular sport if you enjoy our coverage don't just sit on the sidelines make sure that you're engaged in doing your part to making sure the 562 is around for years to come i think as we dive into the rest of the more league including uh, st anthony and lbcc i think it's important to say like what the consensus thought is basically because it's us you know what i mean i mean we are the ones out there going to practices we see what's coming a little bit but the consensus thought is Milliken is the second place team or the leader in the clubhouse for second place chasing Polly. Obviously the result that they got last year, not a win, but gave Polly a game. And it's been a while since we've said the more league gave Polly a game. So that game definitely rolls into this season where Milliken is still uber talented. Obviously they also got some more talent coming in. They are hungry. They are excitable. Anything can happen when the Milliken Rams take the field. So Tyler, what is something that surprised you when you went out to see the Rams, or maybe that would surprise people when they finally see them take the field this year? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's I spent so much time uh, around that program uh, the past couple of years, kind of covering them and and checking them out. I, I can't say that I'm necessarily too surprised by anything, but I will say what I do love about that team is I, I do feel like they're gradually just a little bit more locked in, you know, and, and I think there's, just naturally a little bit more cohesiveness with what they're trying to do. Um, you know, going back to the Romeo, the start of the Romeo Pelham era, 
you know, coming off when Justin Utupo was there and had done a great job in his years at Milliken, you know, it was like a new coach coming in. We knew that, you know, he had, um, you know, a lot of ties to the city and the community and, you know, was going to bring in talent and it has worked. But I think seeing all those familiar faces year after year and guys can kind of hold each other accountable and the players while still having fun and having that camaraderie together can kind of keep everything organized and keep the practices up tempo, you know, and they're up tempo and they're productive practices and they've gotten college coaches on campus. And that was one thing that, that, that coach Pelham was talking to me about that was super proud of was when they had their college showcase and had all those coaches out there, they were able to, you know, see Milliken showcase the, their talent. And there hadn't been anything like that uh, either a need for it or for it to be put on, but having this, this group of a dozen kids with scholarship off is different territory, quite frankly, over there in East Long Beach. And to navigate that and to just to kind of see the gradual improvement year over year and realize, man, Angelo Miranda has been out here for four years and has been a guy and he knows and, and can make sure that everyone's kind of doing their routes and, and getting where they need to go. So definitely good energy, but each year it looks more organized and cohesive, but now it just has to translate to Fridays. And I think that's the biggest thing is taking the knowledge that you get game, the experience that you have, and I'm turning it into wins. Um, Milliken, a bit maybe unlucky with the way the brackets fell to be a 16 seed, uh, on the, you know, on the verge of possibly being a one seed in a bracket. They were competitive with the one seed, even without two of their top players. So uh, certainly reasons for optimism uh, at Milliken. And, and obviously with, with the amount of talent they have, the, we know that there's going to be highlights from this year. So always got to have the camera rolling over there. When's this team going to win a close game, Tyler? Mike and I were talking about it at the scrimmage when they were <laughs> playing Edison. And we were like, man, you got to go back a couple of years. Like maybe even that first year, I remember you went on the road to cover that game at Carson. It was like seven to three or some Baltimore Ravens from 2002, <laughs> some type of game. Very and, grindy. Uh, it was very, very grindy. grindy. And, like, you look at it and you're like, man, Milliken hasn't won a close game in a long time. And think about how different that season is if two or three plays go the other way and they beat La Mirada, right? Mm -hmm. That's a completely different season for them if they beat La Mirada in that game. But they got to get over that hump, man. Obviously, we're not telling anybody anything they don't know, so this is not a surprise. But big part of winning close games is staying disciplined. And that sideline is very well aware of how sometimes frustration gets the best of them and they don't stay disciplined. I mean, they got misconduct penalties in a scrimmage against, against Edison. You just shouldn't be that frustrated in a scrimmage against Edison on an, in an afternoon game. You know what I mean? Everybody just needs to take a goose fraba, deep breath in, <laughs> deep breath out over there. Um, improvement's not a straight line. Not everything's going to go right. But I'm telling you, man, if they go through, if they get through, they buff through, and they win a close game against a quality team early on here, it's uh, sky's the limit for that group for sure. And they they could get some close games. We'll we'll see what the what the non-league looks like. I think I think in the more league, when you're making the ascent and you're trying to leave the pack and enter the title conversation and try to get into you know where Polly is and Milliken got, got as close to Polly as we've seen a more league team be in what ten years something like yeah. that. It's been you know it's yeah. been kind of a while so. For them to get that close, you know, when you're in that middle ground, they didn't have competitive Morley, super competitive more league games right. other than that poly game. Very and then in the, in the non-league, they did have some competitive games and lost. But then when you get into that mindset and you don't have that sort of muscle memory of executing and winning down the stretch in a close game to pull back on, um, 
that that does create some challenges in the postseason. Getting that one playoff game under their belt is super valuable. And, you know, Coach Pelham, we, we talked about that. That is something where it's a carrot, but it's also something that you have in your memory banks that you can rely on. You went on the road, you played a tough playoff game in a very difficult environment against the top seed, and you, you know, were inches, and that's where I started the preview, you were inches from winning that game. Uh, so now you just have to be confident and hope that you end up in another bracket where you can be competitive. If they were in Division Four, I don't know. That's tough. That's that's a big jump for them. Uh, but we'll see where the dust settles after the season with the rankings and such. But I, I'm looking forward to their their non-league season. It's very interesting. Speaking of being in the right bracket, speaking of more close games, speaking of the league getting better, Lakewood is going to the playoffs. Mark it down. Flaming hot take from J.J. Fiddler. Lakewood going back to the playoffs. I love what's going on at Lakewood right now. Justin Tupo, Tyler already mentioned him, able to kind of get that thing back on track this year. Got great alumni, assistant coaches to come back and try to get that thing going in the right direction. Their numbers are up. They got their home stadium back. They've got a great schedule set up where they play games when they need to play them. They are going to be chomping at the bit for that game against Milliken this year. That's going to be a massive game. And they've got the rivalry games like that one and the one against Mayfair. Mike already mentioned him. Braden Downing back for his second year. Uh, Zion Smith, just an absolute game breaker on offense. Rakeem Moore, dude who could bust through and get a scholarship offer just on his motor this year. He's not like the size you would think of as a D1 guy, but kid just is everywhere. And he is going to pop off on film for any college coaches looking. And I just love the momentum. They are, like I said, they're a hungry group. Uh, They got beat in a uh, a memorable way by their rival last year. And I think a lot of people on that side of town, that Lakewood side, have got a little chip on their shoulder that they want to bust back into this more league in a big way. And I think the high tempo offense that offensive coordinator DeMond Lampkin is going to bring to Lakewood with a guy like down uh, you know, calling the signals. I really think that they are set up to surprise us early with a, with a win over a quality team in their non-league uh, maybe Mayfair, maybe something like that. Um, and then the games like against Wilson and Milliken, if Lakewood wants to get back to being the second place team in the more league, they need to start winning games like that. 35-7. That's what they did when they used to be the right. more league Super Bowl the counterpart yep. to Long Beach Poly. They need to get back to that. And I think with an offense like this, they can score. I think the biggest question, obviously, is going to be defense. They uh, couldn't stop a nosebleed last year, but they look so much better on that side of the ball. So Lakewood, I feel like they're on their way to a playoff um, berth, and they are in the right division to make a run because that's exactly what Jordan did last year, right? Don't need to really finish second. You can just finish third, get in the right bracket and make it go to the championship. Lakewood was almost third. So that if they've worked on their envelope drawing skills, then Truth. they might, you know, they're going to be in a, in a better spot. Certainly if it, if it comes down to that, we'll see, but it very well could. Cause I, I, you know, you're looking at, you know, who's going to be fighting for those playoff spots. Wilson wants to get in there. Compton wants to get back obviously. And they've got some really enticing returning talent. You know, Jordan, obviously, they went to a title game. They want to get back to the playoffs with their new coach. So, yeah, it's going to be super competitive uh, for those those playoff spots, and we'll see how, it come, how the dust settles. Do you have Lakewood? You said Lakewood's in the playoffs. You have them in the playoffs as the third-place team or as the second-place team? That's my prediction is that that Milliken-Lakewood game will decide second, third place. Whoever wins that game basically takes, takes second. And that's not because I don't think Jordan is going to be in it or I don't think Wilson's going to be in it. That's not what I think. I just think that that game in the place where it is in the schedule, it's coming off the poly game for Milliken. Like that's the spot where if you wanted to 
sports time machine your way into the season and be like, okay, what's the season going to be? That week is going to tell us. I think that Jordan Milliken game is going to be incredibly intriguing. And I think that might end up being that the, the game that you're talking about, but I do want to throw out there. I think after Polly and Milliken, I would make the argument that Compton has the best returning talent of any team in the league or the city. Kingston Moa is the reigning defensive lineman of the year. And I would you know, his goal is to be the more league defensive player of the year. If we're looking at hot takes, I would say I think King Samoa very well could be the defensive player of the year. He looks like a monster. <laughs> He's in better shape, I would say, than I think he was at the start of last year. And they're going to do some things to move him around a little bit on defense. I think he's going to be a real problem. But they also have Ava uh, Lilo Maiava back. We mentioned a four-year starter, a middle linebacker, and quarterback, and Eric Barrios. Uh, all of those guys were first-team all-league last year. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I go around to different practices and people ask me about different teams too, JJ, but the team I get asked about most is Compton. Um, cause I haven't gone out there the last couple of times and everyone knows that their line is huge and does not have much depth. And so everyone's like, is, I mean, y'all show up somewhere. They're like, is Compton healthy? It's like, yeah, Compton's healthy. So they've got five, you know, maybe the biggest offensive line, after Polly's um, and actually maybe even a little bit bigger than Polly's. I think last year by weight, their offensive line was a little bit bigger than Polly's. Um, and, you know, obviously with their system, they take advantage of that and they have a lot of experience in that system, which is always really, really critical to starting fast without, you know, making turnovers and stuff like that. So I, I have really high expectations for Compton and definitely another one of those teams that if you look at where they're ranked now could absolutely be back in a CIF championship game if they're able to get into the playoffs. Jordan also trying to get back to a CIF championship game, but everything looks a little bit different on the north side with Coach Nielsen coming over, taking over that program. Uh, like we said, that did get to that championship game, finished third last year. They want to take a next step as a program, though. Uh, Jared J.J. Nelson going to be calling the signals for another wide open, five wide receiver, hustle up, tempo, get on the ball, run the play, get on the ball, run another play type offense. So my hot take for Jordan, honestly, where things are looking really good, they've got a really good organized um, practice schedule going, we've got good assistant coaches, blah, 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 all that good stuff over at Jordan. I think we're going to see a lot of offensive records fall. Now, I don't know who's in charge of keeping offensive records for the Jordan football program, but uh, if they are, rip up your book because they're going to throw the ball so much. They're going to rack up so much yardage in these games. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate into victories. To be honest with you, they don't either. You got to play both sides of the ball. You can't just score your way to a championship. But I think they will score their way into making history by just putting up so many raw numbers. Jordan Washington is going to be a wide receiver, you guys. That's how talented that team is. Can you imagine trying to track Jordan Washington on a, uh, on a seam route from the slot position as an outside linebacker? I mean, he's the half second the state, fastest. He, half the state couldn't catch this guy. Are you he, expecting somebody who's like 175 with pads on to catch this dude? Yeah, he's it's more than half the state. He's the, he's the second fastest kid in California who's in high school. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely – he's going to be a problem on both sides of the ball for everybody, for sure. I think if, if you're playing a team who puts an outside linebacker on Jordan Washington in coverage at any point throughout the game, 
You should oh, be winning. Stay in nickel. Stay <laughs> in nickel. Don't even think. Don't even think about anything else but nickel. Yeah, without question. What well, one really intriguing dynamic we've mentioned uh, such and such finish in third place in the envelope draw a couple of times is we are in the very rare and completely unprecedented in our 15 year situation where five of the uh, five of the seven teams in the league finished in the top three last year. So it was Polly, uh, it was Milliken, and then Lakewood, Compton, and Jordan were all three and three in league and tied for third place. So all of them have a very strong claim to, we feel like we already belong here. We want to take that next step. I think that's what's so exciting. If you're, if you're hearing us say Lakewood, you know, we feel this good about Lakewood. Well, what about Compton and Jordan? They were in CIF championship games last year. Well, Lakewood had the same record in league as those two teams. They just missed out on the envelope draw. <laughs> so, you know, if they're in the playoffs, they very well could have made it that far, or maybe they get bounced. We don't know. But I think that's what's exciting to me is that all of these teams have so much returning talent um, and you feel like are better than last year. Quite frankly, if, if I look at those top five teams, I feel like all, all five of them are better than they were last year. And we had such success last year. I think you naturally just have to be super excited about that. Absolutely. And then you've got a team like Wilson that's kind of on the outside looking in because they did only win that one game last season. But they've got a kid like James Ma'ae who, for me, no matter how the final scores turn out or whatever – there's going to be a point this season where we're like, James Ma'ai is one of the best linebackers in the Moore League. If you watch film, if you really watch this kid, he is going to be everywhere he needs to be. He's got the smarts of a Corday Jones. He's got the athleticism of a Patrick Wilson. He looks like Shane Garcia. You know what I mean? And if you know Wilson football, you know I just named three really, really good Bruins linebackers. Um, so I think that he's going to be key. They have got to keep teams in front of them both for scoring purposes and also defensive purposes. Wilson needs to not give up big plays this year if they want to be successful. And a huge part of that is going to be Ma'ae and that front seven and their ability to kind to limit what other teams are doing, kind of slow the game down a little bit, run that burn defense against some of these burn offenses. And, uh, and they got to start strong. You know, they play Redondo, they play Huntington Beach, they play St. Anthony before they get into the Moore League, but they've got an extra week of practice. So they have to start strong if they want to put last year's one win season in the rear view. You know, Jage, obviously we're talking about like the structure of the Moore League, obviously, like in the 15 years we've been covering high school football. Um, Polly has lost two more league games on the field. They were in back-to-back -back weeks in 2009 uh, in the more league, right? So the way that we structure these conversations when we're having them honestly is Polly and then who's the, who's the challenger? Prior to Milliken, as it's been in the Romeo Pelham era, that challenger was Wilson. You know, they were under Ziggy, the clear-cut second-best team. They were a CIF championship contender uh, in multiple years. And, you know, last year uh, under Scott Meyer, first year there, tough season, one and eight, uh, definitely not the year they were looking for. And they have a huge fan base, too. So this is why I'm asking you this question. What's the case for the turnaround there? Is there really good talent in the lower levels? Are they getting transfers in? What do Wilson fans have to look forward to either this year or over the next couple of years to feel like they're turning things around? Well, it's a little bit of everything you just said, right? Well, first of all, they have a bunch more experience. Meyer walked into that situation late. He got hired late in the summer. And when he got there, you know, there was, there was a good group of seniors, but then there was a big gap. So they started a lot of sophomores last year. The record reflects that. They struggled. They got banged up. They weren't deep. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for Wilson last year. But they were still in a couple games that – they go the other way, and all of a sudden, they're also trying to draw an envelope. 
You know they're I mean? here. All of a sudden, they're there ahead of schedule. And right, like you said, they're in that third place uh, uh, log jam that we had. So that junior class I'm looking at as the key to what you're saying. If you're a Wilson Bruin football fan, what gets you excited? It's the class of 2024 that should get you excited for Wilson football. Because recently, even like you're saying, Coach Higginhagen did turn that program back into you know a thing that should be looked at. That was one, one team. You know what I mean? They built that team. They were sophomores. They started the juniors. That best Wilson team under Mark Zagenhagen was a bunch of three-year starters who were seniors. Yeah. There's yep. only 10, there's only 10 seniors on this Wilson team right now. So I'd say that everything being new, young, possible, potential, you know, all that stuff. I think that's why Wilson be, should be excited because they're not in a situation where they're like, well, if we don't do it this year, we're not going to do it. No, 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 no. It's we can build some momentum this year and then we can really get after it with a couple years under Scott Meyer. And like you said, maybe getting some transfers. There's one Max Barbie, uh, no relation, as I made the joke in the video. He transferred from <laughs> Polly to Wilson and uh, classically the players who have done that. Have Clearly a spy. Clearly a spy. Clearly a spy. Uh, Clearly a Marley. member of the Barbie clan sent over there to steal play calls. you got to get those guys. <laughs> they got to come over. They got to be successful. He's going to have to sit five, which is a bummer because he'll miss the Millican game. But guys like that, bounce backs, if you will. There's a lot of differences and changes in the way in which people are placed in high schools in the Long Beach Unified School District. So if those things continue to go that way and Wilson can get a couple dudes like that, because they lose guys too. You know what I mean? John L. Gray one of the better running backs in the league last year had to leave. So if he leaves, you know what I mean? What, what's there waiting for you? And, uh, and excitement for the young guys, I think, is what's there waiting for Bruins fans. They threw another spy on the Bobby. <laughs> That's what they did. That's what they did. And uh, let's, if you don't mind, can we travel west? Let's talk, about, let's talk about the small but mighty Cabrillo Jaguars. Now, you want to talk about kind of bouncing back from a, t- a tough time. Obviously – Wilson has had a bit of a tumultuous last couple of years, but so has Cabrillo, obviously with the pandemic season, they weren't able to field the team. And then last year, just trying to get through the season and have enough numbers to accomplish that head coach Shane Gonzalez has really put in a lot of work, tireless effort over there to, to really make sure that, that things have stayed afloat and, and have gotten better over there. And I do think that there is improvement from last year to this year. And the biggest thing guys, if you're playing your first football games, like organized structured football games at the varsity level, you should expect to take your lumps there. Yeah. They had a lot of guys that were new to the sport that were just getting their first taste of varsity action, similar to Wilson, but for different reasons, very young and inexperienced. So you would expect things to be a little bit better on the West. They've got a little bit more as far as numbers on the roster. Uh, The coaching staff's a little bit more filled out and got some good experience. Rodney Van uh, who played at Poly and UCLA as a defensive back brings some of that, you know, next level expertise. And, and I've gotten some more guys that have really given back and, and increased the, the energy. And that's really what it comes down to, right? When you're, you're just trying to keep things going, and you've got small numbers. If you've got some heart and you've got commitment and pride in the program, I think that's the kind of key to keep this thing going and continue to build. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And also just, as we've said many times on this podcast, just a tip of the cap to Shane Gonzalez at Cabrillo for staying, for staying mm-hmm. even last year, I think, a lot of coaches absolutely would have won that game that they won last year and said, you know what? That win means as much as a CIF championship would at some schools. I got the win. 
I did the journey. I put my time in. See you later. Best of luck. And the fact that he stayed and is continuing to try and build from the ground up there, I think is super impressive. And again, I'm not suggesting they're going to compete for a playoff spot right away this year. Not suggesting they're going to be a hunt for the more league championship next season, but this is high school sports. This is from the ground level up. And this is a sport, quite frankly, that is dealing with numbers issues across the state. And I think what he is doing is as worthy of praising as the championship runs that all of the other teams had last year. Yeah, it, it, it definitely puts it into context. You know what I mean? It's like some people are saying, hey, we got to get into the playoffs. We got to win a championship. And I think at Cabrillo, it's like, hey, we're going to show up for our next game. We're going to do our best. And hopefully, you know, things will things will come out a little bit better than they did last year. They were able to get that win, like Mike said, which was huge. Can they double it? Can they get that second win this year? Um, it's the exact same schedule that they played last year, so they'll know their opponents. And, um, yeah, good for the Jags for for keeping things going in the right direction. And, and we'll see what they can get done. I'm looking forward to their first game. I'll be there uh, on the west side for their first game on Friday night, and I'm excited to see how they look. Hey, who's that freshman that you had on your video? So I've made some a comment about him. Like, Dejon Pittman, the wide receiver. It's Dejon DJ. Mm-hmm. Mark that name down, guys. Uh, you're gonna look at this kid, kid and you're gonna yeah, be like, "Kid, there's no way he's a freshman." He looks like a freshman the way those Dominican Republican pitchers look like in the Little League World Series, like they're 12. That's how, <laughs> that's how big he is. You're like, "There's no way." Yeah, this is a the, those kids that got to walk around with their birth certificate in their pocket, where they just got, you know they got the long arms, they're head and shoulders taller than everybody. It's just a piece of paper that says twelve on it. All right, so <laughs> we so we oh, had we've talked we, about we got Saint Anthony next. Yeah, we've talked about three of the teams that played in CIF championship games last fall. There is a fourth in Saint Anthony, but this is a team that is not really going to resemble that team because that team last year, as we knew, was basically uh, all seniors in terms of the major contributors. So this is uh, the youngest team Raul Lara will ever have rolled out on a field. Not when he was at Poly, not when he was at Warren, has he ever started. He said 12 to 15 sophomores. And exactly what JJ was talking about with the way Ziggy built it at Wilson. It's a, hey, we have talent. I think they're good. They're young. And the only way to get them better is to play them. And so just being willing to make that move now. um, I think he said there's five seniors on the entire roster. Um, And so this is going to be a team that's building for the future. They have three very tough games right out of the gate. They're playing San Pedro, which is the likely LA City section champion this year. They're playing Mayfair and they're playing Dominguez. Um, so, you know, Lara said that they're probably going to take their lumps those first couple of weeks, um, but he's excited to see how they grow. And he thinks this could be similar to that 2009 poly team he coached that started out pretty tough playing a lot of sophomores and, and became very good by the end of the year. He's expecting that that growth curve will be significant and, uh, and pronounced this season for the Saints. Oh, if only there was a way in which he could look back on a team that started slow and then turned it all around and got to the championship. Oh, wait a second. Is the St. Anthony turnaround last year the craziest thing we don't talk about enough from last season? I mean, there were times when we were watching the, the game film of those guys early on, like, oh, no. Oh, no. If a couple guys get hurt, this could get really bad. And then bing, bang, boom, they're playing for it all. I think I think we're as guilty as everyone else of taking Raul Lara for granted that it just feels so regular to me that he has a team that struggles out of the gate a little bit. And then because he and his coaches are good coaches and they care about the kids, so they tend to establish trust with them, that there's these big growth curves like we saw it in 2012, Poly one and three CIF championship over modern day 
We saw it in 2009. They started out really slow. They lost two more league games. And then they're one play away from beating Servite in the quarterfinals, Division One. That was the team that won the championship. You know, I, it's just sort of like it's what he does. And so it feels um, – it just feels – you're absolutely right. It feels more normal than it should, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we should have given that an all-city award, like turnaround of the year. We never do sure. because that, yeah, you yeah, can just yeah. do that for everybody. But, like, right. that, that's one of those things that I think in a couple of years are going to be like, yeah, remember that year? Four Long Beach football teams. Well, this year might be it was incredible. This year one of them started with zero wins going into league or whatever it was. <laughs> no, this Man. one would definitely be more more dramatic. But you do you do wonder if just with the the inexperience. You know what I mean? We knew those previous teams that have turned around had a really strong senior core. But I know that there's a lot of hype over at St. Anthony about Alexander Cobbs. Mike, talk about what he can do on the field and what you're looking forward to seeing from Cobbs this year. Because we yeah. saw him at the photo shoot. It was the biggest kind of the photo shoot that we had for a preview. Yeah. And I think he could put up some big numbers this year. Yeah. And first of all, let me just say this is really personally awesome for me. And I know this is going to happen more and more as the years go on. But like I've been friends with um, with Alexander Cobbs's dad, Anthony, for like 15 years or something. So um, his dad was a, a poly great played at UCLA, played in the NFL um, and uh, just a great guy. Great family. I mean, really just a great Long Beach family. And his son was a basketball guy. You know, he used to get teased about it by all of his uh, his poly football friends. But his son just, you know, he, and he told me at the photo shoot, his son had a cousin who was paralyzed while playing football. And so he just was like, I'm a basketball player. I have no interest in anything else. He never played Pop Warner. He never played Friday Night Lights flag football stuff. Uh, Alexander told me the closest thing he ever played to football was ultimate Frisbee. Um, so, so he's at Lakewood playing basketball, transfers to St. Anthony for the basketball team. Has a great time with the basketball team, but it was actually Sone Alpiu last year who saw him lifting weights with the basketball team when they were all in the weight room together and went over to him and said, you should really be playing football. Like, <laughs> he's <laughs> like, I know you're, you're a basketball guy who's going to get some time and maybe has a shot at a scholarship, but as a football player, you're walking in and you're a valuable commodity right away at six foot three and built out the way that he is. So sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He walks out on the football field last year and more or less playing off natural raw talent of like the defensive end, like, Hey, go get the quarterback, <laughs> you know, was able to, uh, to earn some scholarship attention this year. They're going to feature him at tight end slash wide receiver, as well as that defensive end position. Laura thinks he's absolutely a, um, a potential big time division one signee at defensive end. And so very excited to see what he does this year for sure. Because if you know the Delray league, it is upgraded this year. Um, in addition to Harvard Westlake, you know, there's St. Genevieve, um, you know, there's, there's some talented uh, teams in that, um, in that league. He's just a different weight class than most of the kids who played football in that league. St. Pius also, also this year, probably the favorites for that league. Um, so, you know, he'll get tested for sure, but I think he's going to be a guy that all of the coaches after the games are like, wow, you know, we just saw something kind of crazy from this kid. It'll never happen, but St. Anthony should be in the more league. I don't have, I don't have a reason or whatever. I disagree. <laughs> I don't think they should be in the more league. I think they should. I think every city should have their, like, build a fence. You know what I mean? We're asking these kids to travel way too far to play schools that we don't know. 
Yeah, I agree with uh, well for, from St. Anthony's perspective. You, you know, fair enough, absolutely. From the more leagues perspective, they're like, hey, we've got all the public schools. We're not well, trying if to. You've ever taken, if you've ever taken a bus to Acton, California, where you had to leave at 10 a.m. to get there for a 7 p.m. football game, I think you might think a little different. Is that a playoff game? <laughs> that was a playoff game, and well, that's not going to change that, even if they're in the that morning. Acton. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Name, name me the more league team who needed to go to Acton to play a football game. I don't remember that one. Someone was north of Victorville a couple of years ago. And yeah, I remember a poly season opener. I told you earlier. <laughs> no, it was we 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 covered a playoff game a couple of years ago that I I recall all three of us being like, "Wow, that's the first time in a while we've gone to a city that I've never heard of." <laughs> well, Jordan did Apple Valley last year. That's pretty far. That Apple Valley is a hike. Apple Valley is a hike and a half. And I think Milliken girls basketball had one of those road trips that was like by freeway about as long as was possible in the Southern. So they're basically in central California for like a second round game on a Thursday. No, the soccer ones are the ones that are crazy, man. Have we had a soccer racket where we dodged like channel islands or Santa Barbara or something like man, those putting yeah. in miles you know the furthest away high school from Long Beach that's still in the southern section? Do you know the answer to that trivia question? It's got to be like Big Bear, right? Because Big Bear's in the southern section. Oh, it's it? so much further away than Big Bear. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. It's, uh, oh, no. I, drive it's by it, I, I, I drive by it every year when we're on vacation in Mammoth Lakes, California, which is close to Tahoe. But Lee Vining High School is in the southern section. Lee Vining, if you look up Mono Lake, on your map it mono is literally lake? you call mono. it mono it's the correct pronunciation of it is mono lake it according is according uh, to who mr mono <laughs> japanese people <laughs> I, mean, I don't know like my wife what do you <laughs> my uh, wife it's my pretty, wife uh, is not the issue you thought it was mono lake everybody calls it mono lake it's like a joke you didn't oh, know okay. this I, yeah no, it's the I it's the make it's the make out disease lake it's mono lake <laughs> The people, well, anyway, the, it's the people it's, that go to lake are not yeah, monolith. Okay, yeah, yeah mono. That's what I said. <laughs> it's a, but it's a solid six-hour drive in the eastern Sierras, and that is in the southern section. It's too big of a section. <laughs> uh, all, agreed. Yeah, so central section's like, what? Do, what do we got to do? <laughs> what do we got to do to get on this list? <laughs> I, but, there, that, I, but but John Dalem does that every year. What's the longest possible trip? And it would be Catalina. It would be Avalon High School to Lee right. Mining. Is like it would genuinely take you twelve hours of continuous travel or something. You'd have like to go. To you'd have to go boat, plane, train, automobile, <laughs> back to boat since you're on a lake. Apparently, I would love to take a trip to Mammoth in the with the snow on the ground for a like Compton High School, Lakewood High School, Lee Mining game. That would be the absolute Dude. funniest thing ever. The the crazy I think I've told the story on this pod before. The craziest football game I ever played in was at Rim of the World High School, aptly named because if you do drive up there to Big Bear, you can see that that high school is on the rim of the world. The fog so thick you couldn't see the opposing sideline. We ran the kickoff back for a touchdown in the second half. Didn't see it. We were just standing there, and all of a sudden, everybody ran back. I'm like, we scored. I was like, I, I believe you. I mean, sweet. Whatever you say. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Sounds great. And Juju, Juju caught a pass also. Right. There you go. Didn't see that either. <laughs> uh, is, is that it? Are we LBCC bound now? Is LBCC going to last but not least us, Tyler? 
Yeah, let's rope it in. I mean, I, we've got a little bit more time. <laughs> LBCC season does not start uh, this week. So uh, a little bit more time for the Vikings. That's why if you look at the preview, there's plenty of names uh, on the projected starters and plenty more that probably could have been on there uh, for head coach Brett Peabody, who's been at LBCC for almost a decade now. And, and for them, the big thing was, you know, their sort of return to normalcy of having that full offseason program. You know, last year they didn't really get much practice time at all prior to the season didn't get time in the weight room in the summer camp with the COVID restrictions um, at the California junior colleges and specifically um, at LBCC. So definitely um, they were behind the curve last year and it ended up showing on the field uh, matching the worst uh, record that they've had under Peabody. You know, usually this is a double digit win team, a team that's, you know, in a bowl game pushing for the state playoffs. And last year it was definitely a step back, but there is optimism that, you know, things are moving in the right direction. They've, they've kept some players from last year's team that will be key returners. Also some bounce backs. They always get those D1 bounce backs. The two position groups that I'm really excited to watch this year are wide receivers and linebackers. Uh, Peabody loves those groups. They're super stacked. They've got bounce back kids or kids with division one um, prospects. So they're going to score. You know, they always, you know, have those skill position guys that can put up points. The quarterback position's kind of been an issue. They haven't really had that like go-to guy that they could rely on. And it's going to be another QB battle, uh, including a local guy, QCC, out of Milliken. So he could be the the favorite as of right now, but there's plenty of, of practices left for the Vikings. But going to be another fun season, a very challenging schedule. Mike, speaking of heat, they're playing Riverside on the road in week two for a noon game. Whoa. I was furious what I saw. Dude, hey, no joke. <laughs> that's not safe. No joke. That's not safe. Yeah, and this I is JJ, JJ, who spent plenty of time in the Inland Empire growing up, is telling you you should not be in September at noon doing activities outside in helmets. What, what bumped that game from 6 p.m.? They're like, I can't play thing, that thing at 6. No way. They dude. do that out there. What? No, well, people don't have lights. Uh, no, Peabody was telling me that they don't have their stadium. So I don't know if they're oh. renovating or doing something. So they're playing at a high school. But it's like, why you still should you shouldn't have to play it? Maybe yes. the high school doesn't have lights. I don't know. That's I don't know so how. Bad. I mean, they they've got like electricity and everything out in Riverside. So I'm just and last time I know, checked. Last time I was there, you gotta hit up Chafee or something. Like rent a field. That is garbage. UCR <laughs> soccer so field. Re- reline that thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I love the idea that JUCO football games are so damn long. That they're like, well, we can't do it at three because we might not get that thing in before the sun sets. We got to play it at 12 because it could possibly be a five-hour game. That wouldn't even be a record. A five yeah, talk hour about game. screwing up your Friday night, too. How early do you have to be up to be to catch the bus to oh. make sure you get to Riverside and, and warm up by noon? Oof. It's oh, an early God, morning, boys. Gross. That is gross. Anyway, that's, that's just one of the And it's already hot. <laughs> and you woke up, you woke up at 9 p 9 a.m., going to bed at nine, up at nine, and it's hot as hell. And you're like, I gotta go play football right now. Hey, they never said the road through the junior college circuit was gonna be easy. You gotta grind if you're a junior boy. And they you know what? Football? They do. Uh, but hey, I wouldn't want to play it at noon, but irregardless, should be should be an exciting year for the Vikings. Always stocked with talent. Just gotta see how it goes. Hey, Brett Eight of the 10 teams on their schedule, by the way. Eight of the 10 teams on their schedule were bowl eligible. So it's not going to be easy. There's obviously a lot changes year to year in JUCO, but uh, never count out the Vikings. They're going to have talent. Yeah, and Brett Peabody, the head coach over there, just does such an amazing job of uh, of 
you know, improving kids' lives, let alone getting his team to bowl games and winning postseason stuff and all that. I also just got to shout out the coaches, man. You know, there was a time in which we were covering Long Beach sports where uh, we were hemorrhaging coaches. We were losing coaches all the time. And for the last few years, not just in football, but in other sports as well, we have seen an influx of like strong-willed, good ethics. You know what I mean? What is high school sports really all about? That's what I'm about type head coaches. Like, Like Mike said, like Raul Lara is a great football coach, but he's also a great person. And if he really wants to convince somebody to do something that maybe they don't agree with or don't understand or whatever, you have to have that trust. And I feel like right now, for the first time in a couple of years, this league, starting with football, but trickling down, this league is full of men and women who clearly care about their student athletes. And we've seen the teams get better because of that. So shout out to all the administrators and stuff for making good hires. Hey, man, I couldn't have said that any better. It's, it, it, it is a special group of people for sure, uh, and very excited to see where everybody goes this year. We think it's going to be a great year. Very excited for these games. It felt so good to put up a schedule on Monday. Yeah, sure. Shoot uh, that schedule out, Mike. What, what is, so you, we got Polly Thursday. I'm going to the Milliken game Thursday at Santa Ana. Jordan going to open the season Thursday night at Kennedy. If you remember the opener last year, Mike, pretty good game. might be the best game we covered yeah, just because pretty, of how was cool it game. felt. Yeah, that Jordan uh, last second win over Kennedy in overtime was uh, was was a memorable one. So the Irish going to be looking for a little bit of payback against the Panthers. For sure. And then on Friday, we've got uh, Cabrillo's hosting uh, Hawkins. Compton is hosting, uh, is it Dimali? Dimali? I don't know. D-Y-M-A-L-L-Y. It's Mono, I, it's Mono Lake is what it is. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm probably butchering. I'll go with Dimali. Uh, they're playing at Compton <laughs> College. They're still going to be uh, playing at Compton College this year. Um, and then uh, very excited. Oh, excuse me, to see how Lakewood looks as well. Obviously, you heard from JJ did their preview very high expectations. So um, not everybody well, playing Vista, Orange Vista coming there. Like I said, that's the first game in that new stadium. So the energy yeah. at newly rededicated John Ford Field, John Ford Stadium, is uh, that's going to be fun, man. John Ford. I do want to make one note before before we sign off and before we send people off to football games. Obviously, the, the horrible news um, – that came out about the the shooting at a youth football game where someone was killed. Can we just all keep in mind, high school sports are fun. It's a positive environment. Yes. We don't have enough officials. Please yeah. don't run them off. Can we all just take a deep breath, appreciate that, that sports are fun and it's great to have Friday night lights back. There are things more important in this world than sports as much as we love sports. Let's all just have a great time the entire season and enjoy rooting for your team. Is it that Amen. hard? Is Amen. that that hard? Let's Incredibly that. well said, Tyler. Incredibly well said. Let's leave it on that. Get to the 562.org right now. Check out all of the football previews, all of that content. Obviously, we're going to have previews for these first week games as well up there. So make sure you share it. Show your friends. Let them know where it's at. And also, smash the heck out of that subscribe button. It's on the top right side of the 562.org. Every single dollar means more Long Beach sports coverage. And that's why we do what we do, because we love you guys. Thank you so much, Long Beach. It is officially football season. And you know what? We're going to see you in the stands. Take care.